Welcome to episode eight of the Sports Exchange Podcast. I'm your host, Reggie Bobrin. Joining me right now is my co-host, Brent Weber. Brent, what's up, buddy? Well, not much. Uh, just sitting here relaxing, uh, just watching the Heat game on TV. How are you doing? I'm doing the same thing, actually, but I'm doing well. I'm finally fully vaccinated, so I feel really good about everything. So it's, uh, you know, hopefully the world's starting to get back to normal and everything like that. But I do want to talk about this weekend. What a weekend of sports it was just in the general sports landscape. I mean, I don't remember such a thrilling weekend as far as just, you know, not just uh, obviously golf, but basketball. You, you had a little bit of hockey. I watched a little bit of boxing. It was just, I didn't leave my house the entire weekend. Well, I got to tell you, Reggie, it was quite a weekend. And, uh, man, you're talking about the world trying to get back to normal. Not normal was to see that crowd just eating up Phil Mickelson, walking down the 18th fairway and up to the green, man. That was an awesome sight. You know, it's funny. Like, we've watched Tiger win a lot of big majors, and he obviously always has the biggest uh, galleries. I don't think I've ever even quite seen something like that with Tiger, what happened with Phil. That was incredible. Well, the closest Tiger was when he won the Masters two years ago, in 2018. Uh, They had the same similar crowd coming up behind him when he was walking down the 18th. But nothing like this. Like, it was almost as if they couldn't even control the fans. It was like almost they were grabbing at him. Uh, it, it was an amazing sight. And you know what? To give Phil Mickelson all the credit. He hung in there the whole weekend. There's no doubt that was the biggest story of the weekend. You know, it's funny. Uh, I, well, I guess you, you took the initiative. I was actually going to start off with the NBA, but I might as well start off with Phil Mickelson. <laughs> I mean, who saw that coming? Um, I mean, how, how can you not start off with Phil Mickelson? No, I, mean, I wanted to save that, you know, because, I mean, it's very loaded at the top with the NBA, you know, going through each game, you know, just like, you know, running through each game. So I figured, okay, we could talk about Phil a little bit in the middle portion of the uh, of the pod, but I, why not? Okay, we'll, we'll start off with Phil. I mean, you know what? Look, when he was when he led on Friday, my my mindset was there's no way he can put together four rounds of golf. Um even Saturday when he came out and I saw him and I was just like, "Wow, he's really cuz he had one point in time. He was like minus 10 at one point." He had like a five-shot lead, five or six-shot lead. And I thought, wow, you know, he's really actually doing it. Can he, Does he have one that one more day? Obviously, he fell back to earth, and he was, um, I think, was he tied with Kepka coming into Sunday? Oh, no, he had a one-shot lead. So he had a one-shot lead, and I thought, is he going to be able to hold it, you know, hold it together for one more round? Honestly, I thought, no, there's no way he can possibly do it. He's going to fall apart. And when he bogeyed on the first hole, I was like, okay, it's collapse time. Well, I got to tell you, you know, as the thing was, it, you know, I was at, at Corbett's and I was watching the golf with uh, my good friend uh, over there. Um, the one thing I noticed was nobody in the top 10 uh, was out to get it. No one made a run. Everyone was struggling at one point or another. And Phil was the most consistent of all those guys. And he, he just took it and won the won the. Uh, the, the championship. Wouldn't you say the first five or six holes was very strange? I mean, you have Mickelson up one stroke. I think Kepka birdied his first hole, so they were tied. And then Kepka did he birdie the first hole? I think he did. And then Kepka shoots a double 
on the second one, which puts Phil back in the lead. And then they kind of trade off and on until the third hole where, well, I mean, the third hole, uh, Mickelson had probably the shot of the weekend when he when he uh, birdied it from the uh, from the bunker. But they, it was kind of like giving it like they were taking and giving it back for the first five or six holes. I thought that was kind of strange. I never seen that before. Well, the one thing I noticed in the, in the first, well, you know, starting with the second round and into the third round, that a lot of players are really jockeying for this. I mean, you would have someone up at the top, and then a double bogey, all of a sudden they drop back three or four spots. It was going back and forth. A lot of roller coaster scores with yeah, a lot of these players. That's what and I mean. it definitely, yeah, it definitely led into that final round. And that's why I thought, you know, Mickelson, he, he did fall back from 10 under back to six. Um, but, uh, yeah, he was the one that survived at the end. Do you think after a while it became a match play? I mean, what's the South African? I can never pronounce his last name. Louis Ustuzen? Louis Ustazen. I know he was somewhat in the mix, but I never felt like he was actually going to make that run. I mean, he, he uh, his putting for the most part was just erratic. I mean, basically on Sunday, um, he had a couple of pretty much. I just after a while, it was just between Kepka and Mickelson. Well, the interesting about Utahisen is is that he's been around for quite a long time, and I had to look his career up and see how he, if he won a, a major, and he indeed did win the Open Championship in 2010, and I didn't realize he was a runner-up. And the other, and the other uh, three majors. So he's been very close. No, he's a good player. I mean, I recognize that name. I can't pronounce his last name, but I've recognized that name throughout the majors and obviously the the various tournaments that they play. Um, you know, I mean, he's one of the better players of the last decade. Yes, but I never felt like he was going to be in that match. I thought if anyone was going to beat Mickelson, it was going to be Kepka, who usually in these type of tournaments is a complete machine, but he struggled. I mean, he put it, he put it together in the back nine, but that first, you know, nine, 10 holes, he just was so erratic. It just, you know, and you know, I'm a big Kepka guy. So it was kind of weird to see that. Yeah. Um, you, you mean about Kepka? Yeah. Kepka, he never really got it going. I mean, he he sort of, he sort of got it going towards the end, but at, I mean, the first nine or ten holes, he just was not his usual self. He's you know, I, I mean, one of the nicknames I heard people give him is the machine because he's just locked in, he's focused. It's just like it, it's just, I mean, he's just he's just uh, you know methodical just in the way he just does things. And now it's like he just was he was off. Like at least uh, he never put really got himself in that much. I never thought. I thought Phil once Phil uh, birdied that third that third hole, he would ha- had to have a disastrous fail. He just had to basically just continue to just keep it on the fairways, just basically not try anything, which he did. And and even though it was, even at that time it was like a one or two shot lead, I never felt Kepka was going to be a threat to him. Well, you have to remember too, Reggie. He's been out for a while too with that knee issue. And for him to even be in contention at the end was really amazing. And then I know in the final round, it was his putter that really gave way, and he could not hit a fairway either. So he really struggled in, in that final round. So I don't know if 
you know, maybe wore down on him a little bit or not. So, but uh, he hung in there as best he could. Do you think this is a top three moment in the history of golf? Three or four? Oh, there's no question about it. I mean, he just he just made history being the oldest player to win a major in in PGA history. Yeah, and. I- I mean, look, I've always been a, a Mickelson guy. I mean, obviously, Tiger is the one that got me into the sport. Um, uh, it was hard not for anybody like who's my age not to be enamored with Tiger and, you know, in awe of what he was doing, uh, you know, late 90s, early 2000s, throughout the 2000s, I should say. But Mickelson was always a guy because he was supposed to be the second guy. He was supposed to be what Tiger was. And it's not to say that he did, he had a horrible career. You know, outside of yesterday, he had won five majors which is incredible, but it was one of those things where it's kind of like, you know, he's always been a Tiger's shadow, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, So to see him, you know, have this moment, and it's obviously the biggest win of his career, but at 50 years old, I just never saw this coming. It's incredible. Well, that's the other thing, too. It's like... uh... I mean, the other big moment I thought was when Tiger won the Masters 2018. I don't think everyone is really ready for Tiger uh, to win one at that point. And I, I think I remember back at that time that he wasn't really, you know, was doing top 10, you know, all this stuff I remember. No. And I don't think anyone gave him a chance at that point. So I don't know which one is more surprising, Phil winning this one or Tiger winning the 2018 Masters. Well, they're both very surprising considering the amount of injuries and surgeries that Tiger's had over the last 10, you know, 10 years to that point. Um, so him ever being in contention, more or less, although he did show, um, he did show a little bit of a, uh, of, um, of a flair like the year before in 2018, which I think was, uh, which was actually the same tournament, PGA Tour. He finished second to Kepka. So he showed that, okay, he can, he can, he can return to that level again, or at least be in some kind of contention, but I never expected him to win. I surely, sure as hell, I should say, has never expected um, Phil Mickelson to ever win again. I mean, I've watched him, uh, you know, he. I mean, two weeks ago, he had to get an exemption just to play in the U.S. Open, you know, and... Right, yeah, now he doesn't need that exemption now, so... Yeah, but, I mean, uh, he's for the next five years, but I just, I, I never saw this coming. I mean, forget the fact well, that... Even fifty, even like maybe five, six years ago. Well, I mean, maybe yeah, maybe five, six years ago he could have won it. But like the last three or four years, I just thought Mickelson was just done. He's just he's just a novelty. He's just you know he's there because he's Phil. He's very popular. He's good with the crowd. People like him. You know he he might still hit a, a miracle shot here and there, entertain the the mass. But I never saw him ever winning. Uh, a, I wouldn't say a tournament, but a major tournament. Well, you know, I I think. When Phil took the lead, you know, after two rounds, everyone said, oh, he, I'm sure most people think, oh, he'll blow it in one of these rounds. You know, it's Phil. And he hadn't won anything big in a long while, you know, and, and but he kept it up there. And I didn't see it coming either. I was waiting for that moment, too, and it never happened. Let me ask you this question. I want a couple more questions on Phil, and then we'll move on. Um, we're seeing this trend now with athletes – who are over a certain age defying certain limits. We see it with Tom Brady, who's 43, you know, just coming off a Super Bowl. Uh, we see, obviously, with Tiger, who's, I think he was 44 when he won the Masters. 
40, 40, uh, 44. I believe that's correct, yeah. yeah. We see a guy like Phil Mickelson, who's 50. You know, and it got me kind of thinking, you know, is it like, obviously Phil is taking care of himself as far as dieting, nutrition-wise. I mean, he lost a lot of weight um, about a year or maybe two years ago. I, I, you know, he went on like this crazy kind of diet diet where he i mean he i it's incredible i mean if you saw the pictures of phil i mean we all saw what phil looked like the last decade or so just not taking care of himself but with nutrition with the equipment that they have now can we start to see certain and we'll 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 stay strictly to golf like maybe like a guy like maybe the the justin thomas's and the rory mcelroy's and uh, I don't. I, I think I don't think Kepka's going to have a long career. Those knee injuries are kind of bothering me at this point. It's just like I. I just. I don't think you know, especially a guy in his early early thirties. I don't think that's going to progress better as he turns into his like forties and fifties. But like the Dustin Johnsons, do you think with the way technology and, and equipment and and dieting and and you know, so all these things like we see in the world, like TB twelve, uh, you know, method, that these guys could extend their careers longer, play into their fifties. There's no question about it. I mean, uh, golf is the one, the, the two injuries that you don't want in golf is obviously the back, which is your know, tigers had to go, go through a lot of that and it, it affects your whole body and your swing and everything. The other one is your knees. I mean, the knees, you're doing a lot with your knees and you're playing golf as well. And, uh, and I tell you what, if, look, it seems like it's starting to become a, continuing problem on his knee. So we have to wait and sit back and see how uh, the knee heals. And he's a hundred percent. I didn't feel like he was, he wasn't a hundred percent out there this past weekend. Um, but in terms of some, the, the technology and what they can do uh, to make these players better, there's no question. I mean, they can definitely extend uh, careers a little bit longer, uh, especially in golf. I, yeah, and that's why I brought up Kepka. I mean, obviously, look, I, I love the guy. I love his game, but I just, I, I don't know. Knee, when you have recurring knee injuries or knee problems, you know, and he's like 30, I think he's 31 or 32. Uh, he's you know, 31, yeah. Those things don't go away when you get older, especially playing a sport like that. I mean. Um, I agree. So you've got to be careful with that and see what happens. But you you do believe that guys can extend their careers because you know usually by the time you were forty I don't know forty five you were pretty much done in the game of golf I mean you could still hang around you know the regular circuit and then you know you see guys transition into the senior circuit and you know but you 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 think it's a trend like guys can obviously with everything in the world right now can extend their careers past the forty mid forty range that we always saw where guys would tail off. Um, I agree because uh, it's not just Phil. I mean, look at Lee Westwood the last few months. True. I believe he's uh, 48. I, I'm not sure. But Lee Westwood played well. Like Ian Poulter has played pretty well. Um, Webb Simpson, is he in his early 40s? I'm not positive. Uh, Matt Kuchar's 44 around that age. Um, you know, some of these guys are, you know, still competing and, uh, and, she, and they're, they're playing well, so. Um, okay. But I, there's no question about it. But that's why you have a senior tour when you're 50. You're eligible to go there. And you can still go from the senior and go back to the regular with all those exemptions. Yeah, Phil and did you're that. Being 
Phil did that yeah. actually a couple of times. He just roll up and just yeah. beat these old guys and then come back. One more question: U.S. Open is in three weeks. Do you think Mickelson's magic continues, or maybe even a top ten finish? Um, yes, I think Phil Mickelson, and he mentioned it too. Like he thought he he started playing good golf right with the Masters, right after the Masters. Uh, he felt like he was playing better golf, and there's no question he did this weekend. And I believe U.S. Open, Torrey Pines is Phil Mickelson's home course. Yes. If, uh, if people don't know that. So yes. I think that's a big advantage for him. And so I, I expect Phil to continue to play well. And not I don't think he'll win the U.S. Open, but uh, at least be in contention, make the cut, and be in there for the weekend. He'll be very motivated, obviously, with the with this big win, and as you mentioned, playing for his hometown. Look, it was an amazing weekend of golf golf needed this you know with tiger being out they needed their second biggest superstar and he is their second biggest star you know even at the age of 50 you know to kind of have a big moment like this i'm pretty sure the ratings were amazing uh like you mentioned the crowd was incredible i'd never seen anything like that i felt good i've always liked phil an incredible weekend for him i wish him you know i can't wait to see what he does in tory pines and uh you know golf needed this wouldn't you say uh, no question about it. I think it was great to see that. All the fans out there, uh, with the enthusiasm and the crowd, uh, no doubt. It was great. All right. Let's talk some NBA playoff basketball. Now, we had a, we had what, eight games this past weekend. I didn't actually see one of them. The The first one, the, the one that I missed was actually the first one, the Miami Heat versus the Milwaukee Bucks, which was actually the best, probably the best game of the weekend. I was too busy watching golf. Um, you had a better analysis of it. Breakdown, what did you see in that game? I only saw the highlights of it. Obviously, Chris Middleton hitting the uh, the game winner at uh, in overtime. Um, I'll give you my, my thoughts on the Miami Heat and the Milwaukee Bucks, but just give us a breakdown of what you thought about that game. It was a very, very strange game. And the fact that the Milwaukee Bucks uh, could not hit a three-pointer to save their lives in that game. and But they dominated, absolutely dominated the paint. Uh, they outscored the Heat by over 20 easily. Uh, on the other side, the Heat, top three scorers, out of Io, Butler, and Hero, uh, they really struggled from shooting from the outside during that game. and But they they were able to stay in the game. So both teams had their issues. Uh, but it was a battle back and forth. Uh, really great game. And uh, and the Middleton shot that won it with a second and a half second left. I mean, Duncan Robin had his hand right in his face. It was well defended. Yes, it was. Uh, just a great shot by Middleton to win the game. And now I'm watching game two, and the Milwaukee Bucks hit 10 three-pointers in the first quarter. And that's a, and that's, a, that's ridiculous. So they're not missing right now. So yeah. And the Heat are, yeah, they're trying to do everything they can to get back in the game. So you said Jimmy Butler struggled in that game, and so did Bama Adebayo, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's correct. See, this is the thing I have with the Miami Heat and my issue with them. Um, obviously they had a, you know, a miracle run last year, but last year was just, you know, the whole bubble thing. It was a very kind of weird, you know, uh, weird scenario. You know, I think you had, I don't know if it was Jamal Murray or Donovan Mitchell. They were averaging like 
almost like 40 points a game in a series, and which was like crazy. That would never happen anywhere but the bubble. I thought the bubble benefited the Heat, but I don't want to focus too much on, obviously, that uh, last season. This particular Heat team, um, I mean, they're a, a decent squad. I like a lot of the makeup of their the players, uh, Dra- uh, Dragic, Butler, uh, Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, Bam Adebayo. But I don't really see – they don't have a glorified superstar. I've always been of the mindset that in the playoffs especially, you have to have a legit superstar to win an NBA title. You know, if they had a Giannis on their team, you know, to have a guy like Jimmy Butler, who I feel is a, a you know, a, a glorified number two guy. I mean, he's, he, he'd be an amazing two even a three, but I think he'd be more of a two guy. But I don't think, the, you know, a team like Miami can beat a team like Milwaukee because they don't have a legit superstar. Well, you know, I disagree and agree with you in the sense that as history serves, uh, you know, all NBA champions normally do have a great superstar in their team. Uh, but if you look at last year, the Heat don't have those injuries. I think it's a seven-game series with the Lakers. And they may, they could have maybe pulled off a big upset. Yeah, that's why. But, I, uh, no, I was going to say, that's why I preference it with the bubble. The bubble thing was just weird. I, I don't know. I, I, I think it, it was an advantage to certain, obviously certain teams without having the fans, you know, the, the home court advantage, obviously. So I, it benefited some teams. And a team like Miami, you know, I mean, I give them a lot of credit. I mean, they did what they had to do. But you know, I thought that helped them a lot. But in reality, had they played a regular, a regular season, um, a regular playoff season last season, I don't think the Miami Heat go to the finals. Well, you know, I, I you know, even if the Heat lose tonight, down two zero, I expect them to come right back and win one or two games in Miami. So they're just they're just too good of a team, and I mean team being the key word. You know, not to be, you know, they're not going to get swept in this series. I just don't see it happen. Okay. Let's go on to uh, Dallas versus the Clippers. Um, not surprising. I mean, uh, Dallas did actually knock them out last year. The Clippers, to me, are an enigma. I don't know what the hell they are. I mean, their their star players don't seem to be really interested or just are very lackluster when it counts. Um that being Kawhi Leonard and um, Paul George. And they just have a bunch of kind of fillers on that team. I don't know. Like Patrick Beverly's not very good anymore. Um, who else did they, they have? They have uh, uh, they have Rajon Rondo, who they brought in for leadership. But I don't know if he kind of like clicks well with them. I don't know. The, I, expect the, I expect the Clippers to lose this particular series. I mean, um, I just Ooh. don't. They're off to a bad start already, losing the first game at home. And, uh, you know, I think Paul George is a key. I mean, he, he seems like he never shows up to these play, playoffs. And uh, he needs to get it going here's to the, help out Kawhi Leonard. Here's the problem that I have with what I saw in that matchup. Nobody's guarding. None of those two guys are guarding Luka Doncic. I mean, Kawhi Leonard, who has a reputation of being one of the great defensive players of the last 10 years, you know, a former defensive player of the year. Why isn't he guarding Luka Doncic? Why are they putting Patrick Beverly on him? Well, I'm not sure. I didn't see that game. And, uh, but Beverly is known to be a very, uh, a very scrappy pesky, defender. Pesky he has guy. a tendency to, it, 
Yeah, he's a scrappy defender. I tendency to uh, really frustrate uh, the guy he's guarding. And that's probably the reason why they're trying to do it. But he's too small for him, number one. And number two, I think he's a little, agree, past, he's a little past his peak. No, but that was the one thing that jumped out on me was the fact that neither uh, Paul George or Kawhi Leonard was guarding Luka. They didn't even do that last season. So they didn't even learn their lesson from last uh, last season's playoff matchup. I, I don't. I, I really don't get it. I'm like, these are your two guys. These are two. Well, at least uh, Kawhi Leonard is one of their, um, you know, high, high, highest paid, uh, you know, free agents from uh, last season. It's kind of like, why is why I, I don't I don't really get the rotation of why neither one of those guys are at least attempting to guard Luka Doncic. Uh, I think he's gonna go off on them. I mean, I don't I don't like the makeup of of the Clippers. Um, It'll be interesting to see if they lose, and especially if they get blown out. You know, Kawhi Leonard can opt out. Do you think that happens? Do you think he actually goes if they, let's say, not even a, not even get swept, but if they just lose in general in, let's say, six games? Do you think Leonard opts out, maybe goes to Miami? Um, I'll tell you what. There's, there's rumblings out there that if they lose that first-round matchup, that Kawhi Leonard may go to the Miami Heat. That's a big story that's. Now, that would be a huge uh, guess for the Heat if they uh, if they were able to get Kawhi Leonard. I think something happens. Though. I think if they do, either if Leonard doesn't opt out, I think they trade Paul George. I think something you have to blow that you have to blow that team up somehow because that that'd be unacceptable. If you're Kawhi Leonard, do you want to stay if you lose a first round matchup? I mean, that's I don't know. Well, I think he likes living in Los Angeles. He's from this area, so I mean, he might. Yeah, I know that's, that's the one thing. It's going to be interesting because you know, uh, Florida, Miami is a nice place to go, and and the Clippers are a much older team. And you look at Miami; they got a lot of young pieces there, and, and it could be intriguing. I think the Heat's got a a nice longer term uh, potential for success than what the, the Clippers have. Okay. So let's go to Boston versus Brooklyn. Um, I watched this game, pretty much what I expected it to be. I think Boston played as well as they could have in the first half. Um, with that being said, it obviously wasn't good enough to uh, – you're not going to beat a team like Brooklyn with just, uh, you know, um, Jason Tatum. I mean, it's 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 really weird. I don't even think with Jalen Brown there it would have made that much of a difference, maybe a little bit. But I don't know. Boston was – I mean, they played a, they played a good first half. Um but you know, Brooklyn it's just a has so much It's just a shame, though. No Jalen Brown. They they don't have a chance. It's, uh, if you take any star player off of any team, it's going to make a huge difference in, in your playoff run. And it's it's just a shame. They're fighting. They're they got through the play the play in uh, tournament to get in the playoffs. Uh, they're scrappy. They're going up against a tough Brooklyn team. Um, you, you, all you can do is wish Boston as well, and uh, but without Jalen Brown, they just really don't have a shot. Yeah, barring a Kevin Durant injury, um, yeah, I think this is going to be a clean sweep. I have to agree with you. Okay, here's a here's a fun matchup: Portland versus Denver. This was the ten thirty. Uh, uh, matchup. I think it was uh, ten thirty for you, seven thirty for me. I watched this game. This is a fun team, and I'm talking about the Portland Trailblazers. Dame Lillard, you know, CJ McCollum, uh, rejuvenated Carmelo Anthony. I mean, they're just so much fun to watch, and they match up very well with the Denver Nuggets. 
I don't think it was a fluke that they beat them. Okay, good. I was just going to ask you who won the game because I was so busy. I had no idea who won the game. So now you just so who won the game? Portland. Portland won one twenty three to one oh nine. And that's in Denver. That's in Denver. And that see the home team should not be losing by double digits in the first game. So that tells me that could be an interesting series. And Denver, they will bounce back, but that they could be in trouble if they don't get it going. Well, the thing is, once they lost Jamal Murray, um, that was obviously a big, big blow from an offensive standpoint because he was a guy that can kind of you know create his own shot, get his own buckets. Um, when they played through uh, Jokic, was it Jokic? Jokic, Jokic. I always call him Jokic. Yeah, Jokic yeah. But when they played through Jokic. It's like they're a very kind of methodical team. They're not like they, they play through him. So they have to have a lead in order to kind of keep the flow of the game going. They can't really be down because they were down, you know, at uh, at one point. I feel, what was the lead? Almost like double digits. And they're still kind of running the, the system through, uh, through Jokic. I mean, I know they have a guy like Michael Porter Jr. who can, you know, I mean, who can put, you know, buckets who can create baskets, but I, you know, playing through him, I think slows them down. Whereas a team like Portland, which has one of the great, I mean, I think, I don't think people realize how underrated Dame Lillard is. I mean, he at one point in time was buried in the West with all these guards, but he is a tremendous, tremendous offensive player. If he played in New York or LA or even with a Miami heat, this guy would be a huge star. He is so fun to watch and a clutch, clutch shooter. Yeah, he is very underrated, and I tell you what, if Portland uh, can keep up their shooting, they're going to be very tough to beat. So that that is a great series. Uh, but I, I'm looking forward to you bringing up the next series. That uh, that's the one I'm really interested in. And which series is that? <laughs> what was that? The Lakers versus Phoenix. You got that right. <laughs> well, actually, I enjoyed that first game. The it was. Um, I mean. Yeah, here's another enigma. What the hell is wrong with Anthony Davis? Oh, is that's, he hurt? that's easy. Is he hurt? No, is he well, out of shape? well, Anthony Davis is coming off the injury. He had two different injuries. LeBron's coming off that injury. They got no offensive rhythm right now. Schroeder had the injury as well. They haven't been together long enough to get any rhythm of any kind going. So. Uh, and you're running into a Phoenix team, Devin Booker, who can shoot lights out, and yet Chris Paul handling the rock. I expect Denver to win the series. Well, I'm sorry, not Denver, Phoenix. Phoenix. My bad. No, no, it's fine. Um, okay, I get your point. Um, Anthony Davis has always been riddled with injuries, even back in his New Orleans Pelicans days. Um, I get that. He's not the he's he's not the most durable guy. Um. I expected him coming off a championship season to basically really take that mantle from LeBron. I think even LeBron was willing to kind of give that to him. And he's had such an up-and-down season. It's led me to believe, look, I know it was a shortened season, basically, from the time that the NBA NBA Finals finished in October to the time the season started again. I believe it was around Christmas. I get it. But... Or was it January? It's one of those two. But I get it. But it was. it's one of those things where 
It's like he's just, I mean, he's supposed to be a superstar in his prime, and he's just so hot and cold. And he let a guy in uh, DeAndre Ayton, basically a guy who, you know, who's never played in the playoffs before, just absolutely abuse him up and down the court. And granted, too, I, I know he's been injured. I know LeBron's been injured. I think LeBron's still injured right now. He does not look like 100% to me. Um, and they haven't had, you know, that, that time to really come together especially over the last two, three months, because uh, I, I believe Anthony, Anthony Davis got injured in February, sometime in mid-February. LeBron's injury came in sometime in mid-March. You know, the timing is a little bit off. And I'm kind of with you in that mindset. Like, it wouldn't surprise me at all if Phoenix beats them. But I just, I, I don't I, think I, they I, can't I, do anything unless Anthony Davis shows up. How does he let a young, inexperienced player like DeAndre Ayton just beat him up on up and down the floor? Well, I don't know. I, tell you, I, I hope both Los Angeles teams lose. We don't need these Lakers in the playoffs. We don't need the Clippers. I'm getting all my frustrations out. I'm, I'm about to go throw up watching this heat game right now with all these Milwaukee Bucks shooting three-pointer after three-pointer. So, okay, let me ask you, uh, how, how, how many games do you think that particular series goes? Not the not the Heat versus the Bucks, but the Lakers versus the Phoenix Suns. Uh, I, I can see Phoenix winning the six games. Six? Okay. Yeah. There was a game. LeBron, LeBron, LeBron will carry him in a couple of games. LeBron will fake an injury and like come up with like a hero ball kind of moment. Probably win two games and then they'll. Uh, they'll oh, he shouldn't not fake an injury, but he'll exaggerate an injury. I don't know if you caught his act on uh, what was the last Wednesday with Golden. Yeah, State. the shoulder. Yeah, after no. the Chris Paul injury too. Yeah. No, no, no. On Wednesday. No, no. That one I saw. That one was dead fresh in my mind. But even Wednesday when he got poked in the eye, and even after the game, he was kind of wincing his eyes a little bit. I'm like, dude. Like just you're, I can see that now. Oh, you're overdoing no, but the whole Chris Paul thing. What was that about? Why? I mean, why does he? Actually, before we move on to the next, why does he do that? Like he's one of the great. You've you've already crowned him the greatest player of all time, did you not? Yes. Okay. So why does he have to do stuff like that? I don't know. <laughs> I, I just don't understand this guy. I, I'm sorry, his ego is getting bigger and bigger by the day, and you know what? Just, just, just play basketball. You don't need to do that. And I tell, I'll be honest with you. Have you ever seen a player complain more than LeBron, thinking he should be foul, foul every play? I've no, and I've never seen a guy flop, especially with his size, as much as LeBron. <laughs> Maybe Chris he doesn't Paul. need to do it, just like you said. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty embarrassing. I was like, I, no wonder he's become, even though he's a, you know, I mean, he, he's a decent guy. I mean, whatever you think of his, you know, political stances or whatnot, never gotten in trouble, but he's a very polarizing figure because people are just like, God, like, you know, what the hell is wrong with this? Like, why is he, I mean, I guess he's in a perfect place in Hollywood to be like pulling shit like that. But I don't know. It just, even like as, 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 tolerant as i try to be with him and i just like i, I just have to shake my head sometimes i'm like god i hope he loses that way i just don't have to continue to see this no it's, it's your effort it's, it's, he is a polarizing figure he is the best player in the nba and, and it makes it more frustrating why he continues doing crap like that stop already lebron james let's play basketball <laughs> okay okay look uh obviously uh before the uh sun's Laker game. There was actually a game before that. Uh, it was pretty early in the morning over here. It was Washington versus Philadelphia. Nothing too exciting, even though it was a close game. 
I watched a little bit of it. Look, Philadelphia is in complete control of this series. I think they're going to sweep them. Um, I, I maybe you know. Actually, let me let me let me rephrase that. I think I think the Wizards will take one game. Just you know, I think I think they'll take one or two games because uh, Russell Westbrook uh, and Bradley Beal cannot let them sweep them like that. I, you know, and that's what I don't understand. You got Westbrook and Beal. And they're obviously missing another piece of that team because I think they should be better than what they are. Well, they have a look. This is the biggest thing about that team. If Ben Simmons could score, if he could shoot, if he was a little bit more aggressive, the guy had six points. Look at this stat line, Brad: six points, fifteen rebounds, and fifteen assists. But six points. I mean, he's a great – he'll be defensive player of the year. He's a great defensive player, man on defensive player. But he's just so reluctant to score. Imagine if he could even average 22 a game. It'd be – I mean, this team would probably – I mean, I'd, I'd make them the favorite to win a championship going, you know, the next five years. Uh, possibly. I mean, you got MB who's been playing lights out this year. Um I mean, they got a nice team up there, and uh, but with Simmons, I don't, I haven't seen him play that often. Uh, to me, that's a stat line. Like, well, you know, he's helping the team out, so forth. But obviously, he won the, the one of the top scorers of the team. But uh, I don't know if I, don't, I just don't see Philly going to the NBA Finals this year. I just don't see it. Uh, we'll see. I mean, we'll see. But I, I'm definitely in agreement. I thought they'd sweep, but then when I thought about it, I mean, they'll win one game. I think, as you mentioned, uh, Westbrook and Bill won't. You know, they'll sack up and probably steal one, probably back in Washington. So, uh, but that, right. that'll be that'll be that series will be quickly over it at some point. Um, a right. series that is near and dear to me was the Knicks back in the playoffs after eight years against the Atlanta Hawks. This game turned out to be a really good one. I don't know if you had a chance that was to watch great it. Game too. Yeah. Another, another another strong finish. Now, the Knicks have had the Hawks number all year. And um, so uh, Julius Randle didn't have a great game. Um, it was a back-and-forth game. I don't mind the fact that they lost game one. I mean, uh, it was it was entertaining. Trey Young, although I would like to see him do a little bit better as far as defensive matchups against Trey Young. Um, I didn't especially like that last matchup that, you know, I, I know they got Frank Malachino, who's supposed to be a good defensive player. Um I still think that they're trying to figure out a lineup as far as a playoff lineup, um, as far as just where, you know, Derrick Rose, it's nice to see him rejuvenate his career. He had some, you know, he brings a veteran presence in there, but I don't, I don't know. I, I still feel like they, they, you know, Tom Thibodeau is trying to, he hasn't found that right playoff matchup yet, especially against a team like the Hawks who have more, they have more, they have more talented players than the Knicks do. Well, I, I will tell you one thing. It's been a nice season. No one expected the New York Knicks to be a four seed. Tom Thibodeau's done an amazing job of what he's got on that team. Julius Randle has become a star this year. You know, it's not their time. Uh, the Atlanta Hawks should win this series, regardless of what happened in the regular season. Mm. And, you know, to get another piece or two there, they, they, they'll be a serious threat next year. Okay. All right. And the last game of the weekend actually turned out to be a pretty good one, too, was Memphis versus Utah. Now, Memphis won the playing game 
beating um they beat Golden State on Friday. Who was the team that they beat on Wednesday? They beat uh San Antonio. San Antonio. Oh, I think that was Tuesday. Uh well no, it was it was yeah. Wednesday. It was Wednesday when they beat San Antonio and they beat Golden State Friday. Um this is a team that's actually very interesting to watch. They're very fun to watch. I've always thought Utah was a bit of a front runner. You know, when Utah was leading the West and or basically had the best record, I just never felt like that that Utah Jazz were the best team um, in the NBA. Uh, so it's not surprising to see them lose. But Memphis is a young, scrappy team full of athletes. I mean, are they playing with house money here? Like they have nothing to lose, so they might as well just let everything out on you know throw the throw the chips and see where they lie. It's kind of mentality. I, I I think they're the ultimate underdog of this whole playoff. Of all the teams in the playoff, I think no one's giving this particular team any kind of a shot. And I think it is a good story. You go out there and you beat the number one seed out west at, at, at their place, I think it's a great win, and maybe they can keep it going. Yeah, you know, John Morant's quickly becoming one of my favorite players. I haven't seen him play a whole lot, obviously, since he's coming to the NBA. I've, I've kept track of his stats but he's quickly he's so much fun to watch he, he's one of those guys like he's like a more controlled version of russell westbrook you know he's super athletic super fast but he plays the game the game's uh, the game slows down for him more more so than westbrook who's just like balls to the walls like you know 150 miles per hour every single play he's he's a fun player to watch and as far as what he can do i was very impressed with how they took care of golden state um this past friday and how basically they showed up, you know, a young team. I think they're the youngest team in the league. I, in fact, I, they would they have to be the youngest team in the league. And they showed up against a, a nice veteran team like Utah in Utah and beat them. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think this is this is a team that could. There's always one team that can cause a little bit of trouble. Uh, would you be going out on a limb to say that they could potentially win the series? Um, no, I don't think they'll win the series. I just yeah, I think Utah either. had too much talent. Uh, but Memphis may steal another game. Um, I think they're just, uh, it, it's a fun ride, but I just think that, uh, Utah just had too much talent, in my opinion. Okay. Yeah, I agree with that. So, I mean, we'll see obviously where, uh, the next pod that we do, they'll probably be in game, finishing game two, starting game three. Uh, so we'll see how those particular teams matchups play out. I should say, um, just real quickly before we leave the NBA playoffs, um, which was the best game or which team from this past weekend were you most impressed with? Most impressed with, well, you're talking about the, well, the best game was the heat, uh, but overtime as well. That was the best game. Uh, now the most impressive team, you know, I got to tell you, the Phoenix Suns really uh, impressed me. I mean, you know, the Lakers have everyone back. Now, granted, they may not be in sync, but to me, it's got to be the Phoenix Suns. Okay. I was most impressed with the Portland Trailblazers. I think they can, with that caliber of player in Dame, with a guy like Melo, who who does bring a lot of veteran, uh, veteran. Well, they're all veterans in their own right, but you know, uh, I, I like what Melo. I like this re reinvention of Carmelo Anthony. I think they can actually make a nice little run. 
maybe not past the second round, but at least to the second round. I think they. I think I'll call it right now. I think they take out the uh, the Denver Nuggets. Oh, that that should be interesting, but it wouldn't surprise me either. All right, so that's the opening weekend of playoff basketball. I wanted to bring in a before we talk hockey. Before I let you talk hockey, I should say I'll just sit in the back and be like, "Yeah, okay, uh, all right, all right." Uh, before we talk a little bit of the hockey uh, playoffs, I wanted to just kind of run this by you. Uh, this Tony Larusa thing that happened last week, um, whereas I think it was one of his hitters. What was it? Yarm is I don't know if I'm pronouncing it. Yarmin Mercedes. Basically, it was a fifteen to four game. Uh, the Minnesota Twins brought in their backup. It was it was not even a pitcher. It was kind of like a it was a catcher, you know, one of those things that a, a, a baseball team or baseball staff will do was they don't want to waste an arm out there in a blowout, so they'll send out like a position right. player. Right. So they sent this guy out, and basically it's fifteen to four. It was a three zero count, and Mercedes, who's leading the league in batting average. Obviously, he's their best hitter. I mean, uh, basically, disregards the, the the sign and swings for the fences and hits a home run. And basically, Tony Larusa called him out on it, never backtracked on it, even though a lot of the players on the White Sox who have the best record, I think they, I think until my Yankees swept them, they had the best record in the major leagues. Um, what, what's your what's your what's your stance on that? It's like Tony. Okay, so a lot of the White Sox players have come to uh, Mercedes' defense as far as basically the quote unquote unwritten rules. You know, I mean, does anybody still go by that anymore? Basically, it's a, it's a new time, it's a new era. Um, Larusa obviously was trying to you know not show up the other the other team, whereas obviously this uh, Mercedes you know basically wanted to pad his stats. So it's one of those things where old guard versus new guard. A lot of uh, the players, uh, you know, f- who are from the new age are basically like, you know what, why shouldn't he swing? We saw this thing with uh, Fernando Tatis, obviously, last year too, when he swung on a 3-0 count in a blowout as well, and he got chastised for it. Um, do you have any, any particular opinions on that? Is LaRusso wrong for that? Is he just out of touch? Is he just kind of like, you know, do unwritten rules still exist in the game, or should they? Well, let me, let me ask you. First of all, was this against the Twins? It was against the Twins. That's what I said. Let me tell you something. So, the the player is absolutely 100% correct in what he did in this situation. Um, if you want to swing for the fences, go for it. It's not his fault that the other team brought in a non-pitcher to pitch. What do they expect? Like for the guy to strike out three batters in the boat or something? So, that's not... I, I don't put it on the player at all. So, and Larusa really shouldn't have called him out at all. Yeah, and and the thing about it is he didn't backtrack. I mean, he had once, uh, you know, a day later, once another. I think uh, I'm trying to look his name. Um, one of the players on the White Sox. Uh, is it Lance? Lance. Uh, I'm trying to get his first name. Oh, veteran pitcher Lance Lynn. Back Mercedes, yeah, and basically Larusa had this comment. I wish I had the soundbite. You know, Lance has a locker. I have an office. I would be willing to bet that there wasn't anyone in that clubhouse that was upset that I mentioned. That's not the way we compete. 
So it's definitely an old guard versus new because I'm pretty sure a lot of the, well, I'm not pretty sure, but I'm of the mindset a good amount of his teammates back what Mercedes did. I personally don't have a, you know, a problem with it. It's kind of like what you said. Why shouldn't he be out there trying to, you know, you know, get what he can get? I mean, it's it's kind of like, you know, first of all, you don't have a, a legit pitcher out there. So you have a guy throwing, I don't know what the hell he was throwing out there, but you know why not basically go go out there and swing for the fences? I yeah, you know, some of these unwritten rules I just don't understand. Like, like you're not trying to show them up, but it's you look, it's a fifteen four game. Like you're just trying to get to basically me, you're just trying to get to, uh, to me, nine innings. To me, it's ridiculous. Just you know, just just get you know, just get over it. And Larusa just needs to. Uh, he shouldn't have gotten him back to managing. He's too old for that right now. Yeah, yeah, I, I never understood why Reinsdorf rehired Tony Larusa. At what? What is he like? Seventy six or seventy seven now? Okay, he's in the seventies right now. So basically, we'll see how that. And it's weird because again, like it's not like they were having a horrible season. They were actually. They might still have the best record. I don't know. I haven't looked, but I know coming into this past weekend against the Yankees, they did have the best record and they were doing very well. So who knows if something like this is going to just divide the locker room going forward? Um it could be. I guess we'll have to wait and see. But, uh, yeah, I, 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 this thing kind of blew up more than I thought it would. You know, it was kind of like, you know, something that happened early last week, and it, it was still a topic of conversation at the end of the week. So, I, Yeah, I just, to me, I, I really didn't pay too much attention to it. Uh, that's how small of a story it is. And so, okay. to me, it's not a big deal. Okay, buddy. So, so for the first time... In our eighth episode, we will talk a little bit of hockey. All right, um, I'm not this the, is shocking. <laughs> I'm not the hockey guy. I have watched a little bit. I love playoff hockey. I, you know, I will admit that I do watch a little bit more of that. But I'll let you um, just really, really quickly just go through some of the matchups you watched. What are some of the more intriguing matchups right now? I assume that a lot of the teams are still in the first round of their playoff matchups. And uh, what what's the team that's uh, actually jumped out at you the most uh, during the past, what, week and a half, almost two weeks? Week and a half of well, I haven't, I haven't watched. Uh, I haven't watched. Uh, um, I haven't watched any of the, a lot of the other games. I saw some of the highlights and so forth. And, uh, um, so I guess so forth and everything. And, uh, um, you know, the, the Panthers I'm watching, obviously, that's my okay. team. And, uh, they're down three games to one. They're losing tonight and one nothing after one period. So they got a big, uh, hill to climb. Uh, Carolina, Nashville tied two to two. That's a Carolina was supposed to really go right through that series, but that's, they've had a, a little struggle there, a fight there, two to two. Colorado Avalanche, one of the best teams out west, right. swept their series four games to none. So it's uh, it's early. Uh, I don't like this uh, playoff format they're doing uh, with hockey. Does, you know, pitting tell us, tell us the, the playoffs against each other. Okay, well, I was so, going to say, explain. Go into uh, some details about the playoff format. What is it exactly? Well, what they're doing is is that uh, you got two divisions. Uh, well, you got two divisions in the East and. Uh, and two in the West where the Canadian teams are stuck in Canada. So what they're doing is the first two rounds of playoffs, 
they are having teams face against each other. Well, it so happened to say in the Eastern Conference where the Florida Panthers, Tampa Bay Lightning, and the Carolina Hurricanes are three of the top four teams in the East, but they all happen to be in the same division. So Florida and Tampa Bay were stuck playing against each other in the first round. So that's a beef I have. And so uh, normally in any other normal season circumstance, Florida would not be playing Tampa Bay in the first round. Because overall in the East, I believe it was uh, – I want to say Florida was the two-seed overall in the East and Tampa Bay was number four. Pittsburgh, I believe, was number three. And Carolina was number one. So, you know, it's just insane. I mean, so Florida playing Tampa Bay doesn't look good. Tampa Bay is a defending champ. They're playing like it. And uh, I expect Tampa Bay to move on uh, to the next round to play the winner of the Carolina-Nashville series in that one. So that's basically what's going on with the playoff format. Okay. All right. Uh, so for example, because I'm sorry, I'll expound on that a little bit. So, for example, just say the NBA did that. Just say you had uh, Philadelphia playing Brooklyn in the first round. Or you had uh, the Lakers playing the Clippers in the first round. That's what's going on in hockey. I don't like it. I hate it. They they just need to get it together next year. Okay. So you're saying, okay, so I see what you mean uh, by the uh, – the, uh, Yeah, that's the best way to explain it. So it's not – For like, the non-hockey teams, that like is, one, yeah. It's not like the tr- traditional one versus eight. Correct. Okay. Yeah, that does kind of stink. You kind of want to see that build up. It's like a heavyweight fight. You want to see that build up coming before you, you know, you. Uh, it seems like they're giving you dinner before the appetizers. You know. <laughs> so. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Uh, any surprises um, as far as uh, particular teams like you think have done better than what you expected? No, there's no surprises right at this point. And uh, it's pretty much going according to plan. And, um, now, if, the, if Carolina does lose that first round to Nashville, that would be a major surprise. Because Carolina uh, had the most points of any hockey team in the NHL this year. So, okay. and that's 2-2 two to two now. Nashville is battling them. That would be the one surprise, if any, at this point. Okay. So, we can't say we never talked hockey, <laughs> okay? We'll start, we'll try to squeeze it in every now and then, you know, we'll just try to, especially with the playoffs being here, I, I feel like it is important to kind of like bring in, you know, the, uh, the good old sport of hockey into this uh, sports exchange podcast, you know? So, um, with that being said, okay, so let's... Um, Start to put a bow tie on this particular episode. Rants of the week. I have one in particular. Um, I'll let you go first. Do you have any particular? The rant of the week? Yeah, just a rant that you have of just something, whatever it is in the sports world, that's just kind of aggravating you and is just like, oh, my God. I just just want to just like, just want to complain about this. Just get it off my chest. Well, I think I just did the rant about the hockey playoff format. And I honest. think that's pretty much my rant. <laughs> it is awful. They need to go back to the classic one through eight. They should never have done it, but it is what it is. Okay. Uh, my rant, and I didn't think we would talk any NFL, but it's about Tim Tebow. Um, obviously, I think uh, that's saw, a good one. That's a good one. As you saw, when was it over the past weekend or Friday? 
the Jacksonville Jaguars officially signed Tim Tebow as a tight end. And I think, A, that's a disgrace. I think Tim Tebow, and look, I'm not a, a hater of Tebow. He's another guy who's kind of a polarizing guy because of, you know, uh, there is a certain kind of religious aspect that he brings where people feel a little bit uncomfortable. I'm just talking about the athlete. This is a guy who's gotten a free ride to spring training with the Mets for a few years. A guy who gets continue, continuous chances being in the NFL, he has no business being a tight end. Why did they sign? I know the Urban Meyer connection and all that stuff. It, it's basically taking a spot away from somebody who deserves it. And for what? Um, I don't. I think Tebow should just basically just give up this dream of being an athlete and just be a be an anchor, be a sports analyst. I should say. He'll make a lot of money doing that. I think he'll be great in a booth in one of those college football booths on ESPN or ABC. I think, you know, he, he could bring in a lot of viewers just because he does have these fanatics. But he has no business being a tight end. Have you seen him play tight end? They, they, actually, when he was with the Jets, he played a little bit of tight end. Um, and your guy, you remember, what was, the, what was the quarterback? Greg, was it McElroy? Was it the... Greg McElroy? When he was with the Jets, he was drafted by the Jets. Tebow yeah, was actually, Tebow was a teammate of his, and they basically tried to line uh, Tim Tebow up as a tight end, and he basically said he couldn't play the position. So this is Tim Tebow a decade ago trying to play that position. He couldn't do it. What makes right. people so sure he, he's going to do it now at 32 years old or 33 years old, whatever? I don't know. I mean, obviously, Urban Meyer loves Tim Tebow. I think, To me, I think it's a marketing gimmick to get – into the seats, the stadium. You know, Jacksonville trying to build this thing up. And that's all it is. To me, it's a publicity stunt. You know, I mean, my favorite time was seeing Tim Tebow cry on the sideline when he lost to Alabama in the SEC championship. Yeah, he needs to go back to SEC Nation. You know, he did that every Saturday. You know, the college football SEC, yes. which is equivalent to ESPN College Game Day. So he was actually pretty good doing that. Just go back to the booth. Yeah, and that's exactly where I'm going. I don't want to see him not be successful. I just, I'm just tired of seeing him get opportunity. There's no way he deserved to have a minor league career with the New York Mets, but it was for publicity. Put him in Port St. Lucie and, you know, have bobblehead Tebow nights. I, I just, I, I don't know. This is kind of like, it just it makes no sense to me why they would even consider doing this. I mean, he doesn't play. I, I, I saw, I saw the, I saw the contract. Uh, apparently, it's nine hundred and something thousand dollars. Uh, there's no guaranteed money, which is a good thing because he doesn't deserve any guaranteed money. Um, but I, I it's going to be interesting. I, I'm curious to see what he does in preseason. Do you think he gets cut or not? Uh, with the love fest between Urban Meyer and Tim Tebow, probably yeah. not. Okay. I don't think so. I, I don't think so either, unless he just looks really horrible. But I think they're going to try to keep him on in some kind of manner just to appease, you know, the Jacksonville crowd. Uh, I, I don't know. I just, it, I don't, that kind of thing just irritates me because there's somebody else who deserves that opportunity who can actually benefit from, you know, at least having that opportunity, you know, to play. And then they're giving this guy another basically free ride to just be a part of something just because of his name value. I don't think that's very fair. Well, you know what? Now, now I do have one little rant. I have an extra little rant. The Milwaukee Bucks score 78 points in one half, 15 three-pointers. What the hell is going on out there? I mean, 
the way they're shooting the ball, nobody can beat this team tonight. I mean, 78 to 51 at the half? Come on. That's my little rant. I think they make a good run to the Eastern Conference, man. That's going to be fun to see those three teams collide. Brooklyn, Philadelphia, or Milwaukee. Whichever, however that happens. But it'll be a fun series between those three teams. Those are the three elite teams in the Eastern Conference. I can't wait. I, I still think I don't count out Miami yet. Even if they, they're going to go down 2-0, they're still going to be a seven-game series. All right, you know you have the you have the you have that hope you have that faith, man. You know, I I can't blame you for having it. Well, they should. I mean, they scared the shit out of Milwaukee in Game One at their place. All right, I can't wait to obviously the next time episode nine of the Sports Exchange podcast will be obviously we'll cover a little bit more of the NBA uh, playoffs. Um, we'll see what other topics come up in the sports landscape at that time. All right, Brent. Uh, so that's uh, episode eight is a wrap. Um, thank you again for uh, joining of me. And uh, unless you have another rant, which I, you know, we're at that hour limit. But thank you again for joining me. Uh, we'll try to do episode nine uh, probably sometime during the weekend. If whenever your next day off is, it doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, later in the week is okay. fine. I'll, I'll be I'll be free. Okay, we'll uh, obviously go over some more playoff matchups and. Um, a little bit more hockey and some stuff. I think the Memorial's next weekend too, isn't it? Uh, uh, the the Charles Schwab Invitational, the Charles Schwab Challenge this weekend in golf. Okay, so the Memorial's probably the weekend after that. All right, man. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Okay, so, Brad Weber, thank you again for joining me. You be safe, bud. I'll talk to you next time. All right? Awesome. Yeah, wait, sounds great. All right, buddy. Uh, did you have something you want to say or are you good? Yeah, I had a brief thing. We can't forget... Another little sport that we haven't talked about. Okay. Sorry to extend the show a little bit, but remember, next Sunday is the Indianapolis 500, uh-huh. the big oh, yeah, day yeah. race. Okay, you know, the, you know, just saying, just saying. Okay, I mean, look, uh, I'll, I'll definitely. I love watching the Indianapolis 500. I find it very intriguing. Uh, if we have time, we'll we'll we'll, uh, we'll dive into it. I don't know. It's like turning left, <laughs> turning left all day. I don't know. There's not much you can really break down into it, but uh, we'll say, all right, all right, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. All right. All right. Sounds good. Have a good night. You too, buddy. Thanks. All right. That is episode eight of the sports exchange podcast. That was my co-host, Brant Weber. My name is Reggie Bobrin. Check out, check us out on Spotify, anchor breaker, Google podcasts, overcast, pocket cast and radio public. All right. Let us know what you think. Um, with that being said, episode eight is in the books. Check us, check out episode nine of the sports exchange podcast sometime at the end of next week. With that being said, peace and love. I'm out.